Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Bobby Bell. How are you, Bobby? 
I'm just dandy. Good morning to you, Gary. How are you? I am fine. I'm 14 cups of coffee in, so I'm kind of perking <laughs> along right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you can't have too much coffee, you know, on a show day. So that's, that's, that's kind of the way we that's roll a here. Lot. That that's is a lot. A lot. Of <laughs> that's a lot of cuppa. A lot of cuppa. Hey, we've got a beautiful day here in Tennessee. It's in the mid-80s, and uh, it's going to be great today. But then we've got about seven days of rain in a row. So uh, how about your weather out in Albuquerque? Uh, we are kind of in a heat wave. We're in the – where we are, we're in the 90s. It look like um, in the high 90s today, and and occasional we get that – thunder cocktail hour monsoon we had a little thunder and lightning and rain um last night um so this is you know this is typical june weather for here as as far as we've learned in our this is our third our third june here i think no yeah no third whatever (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you miss california (laughs) you miss santa Clarita, california any uh we miss our friends we yeah. miss our friends. We miss our community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you do, but you're making a lot of good friends where you are. So that's a good thing. Things never stay the same. They always yep. change. Nope. But uh, anyway, hey, we've got a great show today. Why don't you go ahead and tell us who's joining us for the Campfire Cafe? Uh, we're excited to be welcoming for the first time Jan Schiffrell. She's calling in from Nebraska. So we'll find out what the weather's like there. That is right. That is right. Hope it's pretty up there. And then in the second hour of the show, Mr. Jim McGarvey will be joining us for Saddle Up America along with his special guest today, Mr. Randy Rasmussen. So we've got a couple of great hours with interesting guests and certainly some great music from Jan. But right now, let's kick things off with one of her songs. It's called If Wishes Were Horses. It is from the CD, Waving of the Grass. We'll be right back. Somewhere 
Welcome back to Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard the Gretchen Peters song, If Wishes Were Horses, performed by today's featured guest, Jan Schifrel, from her new album, Waving of the Grass. Born on the rural plains of South Dakota and now operating a small ranch in northeast Nebraska, today's featured guest, Jan Schifrel, grew up in a faith-based farm and ranch family. Her deep love of people and horses and music inspires everything she does. Her greatest joy is performing at cowboy gatherings, singing about the Western lifestyle she is blessed to live. Her latest recording project, Waving of the Grass, is receiving critical acclaim and radio airplay. Western Way Magazine music reviewer Rick Huff has this to say about this new release. This highly recommended album is balanced, diverse in subject matter, and Schifrel's mellow folk vocal style is a perfect cherry on the Sunday. <laughs> Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, a woman of great faith and acclaimed storyteller and Nebraska's 2013 Mother of the Year, Jan Schifrel. Welcome, Jan. Well, hello. How are you? Hello, Miss Jan. We're great. Hello, Gary. Hi, Bobby. So glad to be with you. Well, we're glad to have you with us. So we're doing weather reports today. So now we know what it is in Nashville and Albuquerque. What's it like up there in Nebraska? Well, in northeast Nebraska today, it is hot and windy. Uh, About 94. Oh, me. Okay. Like it is here. That's that's kind of good to be in the uh, in the south right now. It's a little bit cooler down here, so I can take 84. That's fine. There you go. So yep, Jan, it, it is. It's is, been nice. We've had some good weather. Yeah. Is June busting out all over there? It is. It is. We had a, a real nice rain over the last weekend, about a little over an inch of rain, and things are things are green and and thick. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of crop ground around here. And uh, those are coming up well. And there was a little strip of hail that had gone through. They have this area gets has to worry about that mm-hmm. just a little bit in the summer. But it's it's a typical summer here in Nebraska. How is, how are things? We didn't talk any at all so far today about the COVID nineteen virus. But how are things in Nebraska right now with that situation? I know a lot of your gigs have been canceled for the year. You know, the, the, this whole strange COVID thing, of course, changed everyone's uh, routine. And, and, you know, the, the big joke that you've all heard is the biggest waste of money was the 2020 planner. Um, but <laughs> we, we, we actually live, we live along the Missouri River that separates South Dakota from Nebraska. And so we get a lot of the South Dakota rules mixed in with our, you know, right where we live. And, and actually, honestly, I mean, South Dakota sort of made the news because we, we didn't really completely close up ever. Um, but uh, things here are relatively from other areas. We're doing really pretty good. There's still a limit to gatherings and that sort of thing. And they're still trying to figure all that out. But as a whole, we're, we're sitting pretty good right where we are. Well, good. Good, good, good. Well, I know it's been a challenge for people all across the United States, and uh, particularly, it seems like in the music and in the horse industry, uh, it's really hurt a lot of folks. But uh, anyway, we'll get over this, and uh, and things will come somewhat back to normal as we move forward. So 
we'll just keep our fingers crossed and the prayers going up that things go on well. But uh, That's exactly we've, right. got, we've got a lot of great music to share today. And the second song that we're going to do is one that you have written, and it's the title cut from the CD, Waving of the Grass. But tell us about this song. This this actually is is a story about my my great grandmother and I uh, had a my, actually the first my first cousin and I he he and I sat down one day and we were talking about our our heritage and our history and where we came from and it was always said in our family that our great grandmother who homesteaded to South Dakota from Denmark never got over being homesick and she would always say I I just want to go home but I can't because I'd have to cross two oceans. And of course, wow. one is the water and the other one is all this waving grass because I can imagine at that time, the South Dakota prairie just looked like a big ocean of grass and it probably did look just phenomenally huge and there weren't as many trees at that time. And I started to kind of picture what that might've been like and the longing that she might've had to go home, but she couldn't. And thankfully for me that she loved her family enough to stay rooted in America and, and, or I probably wouldn't be talking to you. Right. So we got to think a little bit about this. And, and that's the song that, that I came up with to tell her story. All right. This is a great song. It is a great album. And we're talking with Jan Schiffel today on the campfire cafe.
We're talking with Jan Schifrel. That's the um, title track from her new uh, album, Waving of the Grass. Um, Jan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your musical background and uh, when did you meet music and kind of how did you get started? Sure. Well, you know, I have a, a probably a strange story in that way. I, I, of course, like many, grew up in a little white country church. And I think the church is what brings a lot of people to, to find their musical roots. But I, I grew up singing in that little church and, and a love for gospel music. And, and music was kind of inrooted in me from, from the get-go. But my story with, with what I'm doing right now is probably a little strange in the fact that uh, probably in the mid to late 90s, I got asked to be the third part of a female trio up here in the Midwest. We actually traveled quite extensively doing fairs and festivals and that sort of thing. Only the catch was that we were wearing poodle skirts and leather pants and <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing uh, you know, oldies and, and pop and, and maybe some modern country, but nothing, no traditional country, no cowboy music, no Western music, not anything that was really rooted in me deep. And yet it was a successful run and it was great and fun. But it wasn't until about four, three or four years ago then that the other two, my two partners, decided they were done singing. And there I was, and it's been all this time, and I, you know, I wasn't able to write much because I had no outlet for my music because of the genre that we were doing. And all of a sudden, about four years ago, here I stand and thought, you know what, it's now or never. And... So I kind of had to take a leap of faith to go out solo, really, and, and do my own thing and, and do what I'm, I really love and live. And honestly, I, I am just joyful now with what I am doing and what I'm singing about and, and sometimes wonder, you know, why I had to wait so long. But I, I really, truly believe that, that God's timing is good timing and it's never wrong. And so I here I am. And so these, the albums, the two albums that I have done, you know, came pretty quickly. Um, I'm just very blessed to have some very talented musician friends and they've been on board with me. My, my friend Dalton is amazing. And, and I've just, I've just been blessed to be able to now be singing what I love and can live and write about. And here I am. So interesting. (laughs) I love to hear the stories about, music and um we wanted to take a moment and tell us a little bit about your guitar do you have a favorite or do you have more than one well i i i have a d18 martin that i that i take out with me and that's that's what i like playing and you know for many years i i didn't play it when when the girls and i were singing we didn't always do our own accompanying and um you know so it, it wasn't always something that i that i probably did but now again there's another thing that i can enjoy uh-huh. so um yeah, that's my that's my go-to. Wow, Gary, I'm sure you've got a question. I'm not going to have a question until a little bit later. Right now, I want to get to the he next song. He wants to know if that poodle if that poodle skirt still fits. I'm that's what he wants. I'm curious about the poodle skirt and the and the leather pants. That was kind of an interesting combination. But uh, right now, let's take a listen to "Freedom for the Cowgirl," and we're going to come back and talk more with Dan in just a moment. Christmas when I was only three Santa came 
Somehow, Jan, I just do not see you doing that song in a poodle skirt. No. See, that was the problem. That was the problem. It was in there, and it couldn't get out. Uh, gosh. Uh, mercy. Hey, we, we want to talk a little bit about uh, WJ Ranch, because you've got so much going on there at your place. So tell us about the ranch, how you got started, and let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing there. Sure, sure. So I grew up, you know, with horses. I grew up on a, a farm ranch situation in South Dakota, and um, my 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 dad left me when I was rather young. But luckily, I I, I married a a cowboy, so that all kind of worked out for me. But we um, have always been very very passionate about horsemanship, and I guess that's kind of how we got 
our ranch established when we moved here. We we moved here in the year 2000 and um, built an arena, and, and both of us were were into the horse thing, and we both had had cattle, so we got a we have a herd of stock cows and calves, and and um, promoted horsemanship, and so we would we've met some really neat people to host clinics and that sort of thing. And then Greg and my sons did workshops. And so we started, kind of started out just doing that by promoting horsemanship and partnership with horses. And, and uh, we work with a lot of problem horses and well, it's really not the horse, but we won't, we won't get into the horsemanship. discussion. I, I always, I always <laughs> talk about that same thing. It's usually never the horse. It's the person that has the horse though. We um, Tom Dorrance and Ray and Ray Hunt were good friends of ours, and and Brian Newbert. They're the three of our our back in the day. Uh, Brian is we still stay real close to Brian, but um, yeah. Anyway, we we promoted a lot of that and and the workshops and that sort of thing, and and so that's how it started. And and then as we went along, um, we had added an addition to the arena, and had a had a concrete floor in there, and it, it was it's kind of a long story, but we thought we'd put a hog in the ground and have a party. And okay. we did that, and we thought we'd just have a jam session. So I had all my friends come over, and away we went. And we went in the house that night, and I told Greg, I said, the acoustics in this building, it shouldn't be this way, but they're perfect. We need to start having big concerts. And wow. he thought I was really nuts, and but he's, he thinks that every now and then. We've been married a long time. And <laughs> so he um, <laughs> went along with my idea partly he said well let's do something this was way back in the year 2004 and he okay. said uh, i'm not ready for a big music show let's get baxter black and, and he was the first quote show that we had in our barn and since that year we've had someone come in every fall that's one of our big events where we've had michael martin murphy and Susie bogus and kathy matea and riders in the sky and um well 16 names i could give you and so that's yeah. a lot of fun. And then we decided that, you know what, um, maybe God can use our place. Um, well, the WJ stands for with Jesus. And maybe maybe we can use our place to gather people and, and promote fellowship and community. And so we started having a few more things like a cowboy Christmas we do in November where we um, give horse rides and hay rack rides and buggy rides. And we have all kinds of activities for families. And just things that we can do. We we don't charge for those things. We just we just want to show people that, you know, there's there's great things in fellowship and faith and, and it's all around us and we just need to, to find it and appreciate it and be thankful and know that someone up above has our back. So Oh, that's great. That's great. And you have a museum there as well, I think I noticed. We've got a little, yeah, we've got a little corner where we just, you know, Greg's dad it was was a military man. He's got a lot of military background in his family, which we're very proud to, to you know, promote that and and show people that we're we're proud to be, to live where we live and and those people that gave those sacrifices. We want to recognize that and and a lot of Western memorabilia and, and things that are just our history. You know, history is is how we learn and and it's important to to pass that along. Well, it is, and uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk about your website in just a little while, but I'm telling you, if you go to the website and see everything that they have there, I don't think, even though the CD is called Waving of the Grass, I don't think grass grows under your feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> n- not really. It doesn't. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're, we're so pretty did- busy. It's it's good. It's all good. Yeah. 
Well, it's good. So uh, people are going to enjoy going to your website and seeing everything that you've got going on there. You also do public speaking. I I do I love to I, I do speak for a, a the Stonecroft Ministry Group is one of the things that I do but I I just love to you know I love to share the gospel but I I, I just love to more in, inspire them people and um, help them just to know that that you know there 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 are good things in life and of course it all comes from up above but you got to start with yourself and and you've got to you know you got to find happy it it, it sometimes doesn't you go looking for it, but it's there all the time. You just maybe are looking in the wrong places. Well, that's absolutely true. And uh, somebody said that uh, you can't find things that make you happy unless you're a happy person inside yourself. So it all starts with you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, so how'd it, you does. Get into, it does. And it, yeah, it does. How'd you get into country music? Well, that was, you know, interestingly enough, I, I – you know the the back to the little country church thing where I got to sing first. I I did not come from a musical family. I have two siblings, and neither one of them, nor my mother, nor father, sang at all. Uh, none of them were all musical. But my father had a cowboy friend named Walter, and on Sunday afternoons, he, when I was just a wee little girl, he would take me over to Walt because he knew I loved music, and Walt would reach high on the shelf in this old closet and he would grab this old beat up guitar that had a hole in it and he'd take it off the shelf and he'd start strumming away and he'd be teaching me the old things and like Red River Valley and You Are My Sunshine and the old, old cowboy tunes that he knew. And so every right. Sunday afternoon, that's how I, that's how I learned some of that old stuff. And to this day, that's my love. That's where my love is rooted in them. The old, good old songs that, that tell a good story and I think that it's from my cowboy buddy Walt back in the day. How about that? You know, it'd be nice if we all had a good old cowboy buddy like Walt. That would be a but we'd have a better world, I think. But uh, talk about going back and enjoying good old songs. This is one that everybody's going to recognize. It's one called Crazy. We'll be back in just a moment.
Jan Schifrel, crazy from the album Waving of the Grass. And I have to say, I'm the more I listen to this CD, the more crazy I am for it. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> so, Jan, let's talk a little bit about, um, well, I always have two questions. One is sort of how did you choose this particular collection? What was your thought process? And then since a couple of these are original, if you would also maybe take a moment and tell us about your songwriting process. We we love to get that information for our audience. Sure, sure. Well, the, you know, I guess the songs for me have to tell a story and just, you know, that the best things for storytelling is my my thing and the song has to do that for me and I have to hear a certain song and it it just has to resonate in in some way. And and all of these did. Some of these, you know, maybe music has a funny way of of taking you somewhere and putting you in a, in a certain place or just you know how it is. You just hear a song and you're you're back in in high school or you hear a song and you're and and much of my memory is for my my father. And even though I told you he was not musical, he did play a lot of that stuff. And so crazy, for instance, was a song that that just dad played over and over and over when I was a kid and. You know, I grew to love Patsy's music, and so for me, that was kind of a special memory type song. And maybe, oh, the the one I was uh, did the duet that I did with my friend Boyd. You know, I was looking just for a, a song that that he and I could do together. And I and I love Boyd's voice, and Boyd's been just a real advocate for what I'm doing. And and so when I heard that one, I thought, you know, that's that's gonna fit. That's gonna that's gonna work together. So I guess kind of just song by song. As far as my my writing, well, you know, I I really honestly don't call myself a songwriter. I never have. Um, I've got notebooks upon notebooks of of songs, and um, there's good songs, and then there's my songs. But <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's it's for me. It just tells my story, you know, like like my grandma's story, and that the freedom for the cowgirl really is my horse story. I mean, that really was the the first horse wasn't a live one. It was the one in my living room and, and then dad got my first pony, I think when I was about eight and, and I've had a horse ever since, but it's, it's just thoughts. And sometimes, you know, those thoughts come quickly and you, you zap it down on a piece of paper or you now I use my phone a lot you now on uh-huh, the, the uh-huh. voice thing on the phone. And, and sometimes they take, they take forever, but on the first album, I have a song on there called the game horse. And, and that's just, the the story of an old old barrel horse that that turned into a babysitter for a little girl when it got older um because I had one of those I had I had a babysitter horse when I was when I was young and and it had it had run its barrels and and it you know it was too old to do that anymore but but yet when you took it into a play day or something it'd liven up and act like it was young again and so for me it's just it's just tell about telling a story mhm mhm do you have any advice for um, budding songwriters? Budding songwriters, always have your pen handy <laughs> and and uh, have it by your bed. <laughs> if you get a thought, write it down because in ten minutes you'll be doing something. Maybe this is just me because of that grass thing that doesn't grow under my feet. But if I don't write it down right away, uh, it's it's a done deal. But I have so therefore there's notes all over everywhere it's on on the ranch. There's, there might be a sticky note somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds 
uh, very uh, we hear we we've heard that from more than one um, songwriter. So uh, you're in good <laughs> <Why> company. <else? laughs> yeah, Pieces of toilet else? paper. You know, you have to, although lately the the COVID thing made that a little rough. You know, you could you could use toilet paper when you were somewhere, but you know, lately now that's that's almost that. gonna. <laughs> Yeah, forget that. Oh, gosh. Well, the last song that we did was crazy. That definitely was one that is so well-known that Patsy Cline made famous. But this one has a definite Western flair to it, and it's one called San Antonio Rose. We'll be right back on the Campfire Cafe with our very special guest, Miss Jan Schifferl. Antonio Rose. Well, I was just thinking about uh, I was just thinking about W.J. Ranch again. Uh, 
as I was listening to that song. And uh, with your concerts that you have, like with uh, Susie Bogus and Murph and, and Riders and some of these other folks that have come in, when do you usually put those concerts on? It, they're traditionally the Friday after Labor Day. Okay. So that's in yep. September? Yep. So this year it's to be 9-11. And at this point, we have not made completely the decision. Susie Bogus is scheduled to come and and we're 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 keeping our fingers and toes crossed that that we can we can do it. But I, I at this point it'll it'll just kind of have to depend on some regulations by that time and you know what they'll what they'll let us do. So yeah, I don't like being up in the air, but that's kind of how the whole year's been. Kind of how the whole year's been for everybody. And uh, for sure. Yeah, I was for I was sure. listening to Susie the other day, and she's just kind of missing the audiences right now. And, uh, yeah, I think we all are, you know, it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Not only do you miss the audiences, but they miss the performers. And, uh, so when all of this thing gets cranked back up again, I think you're going to have some big crowds for all of this. What about your Christmas? When do you usually start that? So the Christmas weekend is the weekend after Thanksgiving. And, and that's always what we do a three day deal right after Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, there again, I, I'm not real sure. The, the concert weekend in September turns into kind of a, a big weekend. Not only do we have the concert on Friday night, but then on Saturday night we have a, a big jam session where any and everybody that I know that sings or plays or just enjoys listening, we have a big potluck and, and fill the barn with music on Saturday night. And then we end with a cowboy church service on Sunday. And uh, we do quite a few cowboy churches here at the place, too, as much as we can. So, oh, that's great. So, yeah, so it's all on hold, just like, you know, it's just, it's just, like I said, like you said, real hard. And, you know, and, and technology is, is wonderful, and, and we can do these online things, and, and we, can, we can do these live online concerts, and they are great, and, and they are, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to have them, but it is not the same as being with your audience and, and, being, and being together. And people, we just, as humans, we just need that, and we're missing it very much. Mm-mm. Well, again, been, this will pass. Go ahead, Bobby. You've been doing some interest. You've you've been doing some interesting live events. So I I see called songs, songs on the porch. <laughs> you know yeah. is, that's that's kind of funny. So the the gal that lives in Yankton, um, we are we're just a few miles from Yankton, South Dakota, like I told you, because we're just on the border. She is actually a, a friend of mine from back home in that little white country church. And her mom was the church organist, and we, she, her mother had us, us singing duets up in the front of the church when we were about five and seven years old. And we have sung together all our life, and then when our kids were small, she moved away and actually lived in Huntsville, Alabama for about 20 years, and then moved back to this area, and we're singing together once again. And so on her porch, we've had about four of them times where we just set up the equipment and sing to anybody who will come or drives by or walks by or bicycles by or <laughs> however we can get them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, too but much fun. That's really but, great. That's, yeah. that's a great, that's a great, fun. just a great idea. And um, we have friends here in the Albuquerque area that have begun to do that in their neighborhood. And they say they've met more people 
by doing that, they've lived there about a year. And although nobody is coming up close, you know, people are, are coming out of their homes. They're setting up chairs, you know, across the street and into the sure. front yard. And um, they're, they're having a ball, you know. So For it sure. is interesting yep. how people are finding ways to to um, keep keep, you know, keep doing the things we love to do. Exactly. Exactly. We have to do that. I know we've had a couple of cowboy churches since the COVID thing started and, you know, we just do them outside here too, which we normally would do them inside our arena, but you know, you you can do that. Bring your lawn chairs and sit them where you want and, and we'll, we'll have some praise and worship and, you know, so you do what you got to do, but boy, am I hankering to get out there and, and uh, be a little closer and hugging. I'm a hugger. So this is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes and two of know. us. And we know as humans, you know, we have to have hugs. I mean, it's like medicine. We, oh. You know, you really have to have hugs. <laughs> we do. There was a, a meme on, on Facebook, or Facebook or social media about how to hug during COVID, you know, and it was kind of like the behind thing. And the, and I'm like, oh, no, that you can't substitute a good old-fashioned hug. They're just, no, you can't do it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, let's get to another song. This is one called Someone I Used to Love. We're talking with Jan Sheffield today on the Campfire Cafe. We will be right back. All the days we've been together, all the If I'm not still in your heart I never want you to be Just a page in my history Someone I used to love Your voice breathing May they never come 
Someone I Used to Love. Jan Schiffel, it is from the CD, Waving of the Grass. Jan, you have been so much stinking fun to have on the show today. This has <laughs> well, been a quick so hour. Well, you're so sweet. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. So you have another, well, I you have really a, appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. Do you have another project that you're going to be working on soon? You know, I actually I would like to do a Christmas album. That's one thing that's in the back of my mind. Um, I'm I'm doing a little more writing, and I've I've got um, I've actually I, I hope by fall I'm gonna have a little children's book out. Um, oh great! That is that is about my little. I have a mini pony. I, I, I what can I say? I've always wanted a little pony. <laughs> I, I have had a mini pony for many years. But um, I have a little story about Letta the Mini Pony that, that I started out writing for the grandkids, and it, it's maybe turned into what I hope will be a little bit more than that. So I do. That grass doesn't – I don't let it grow too much. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> So there's always – there is always something, yeah. There is always okay. something. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I know folks are going to want to get this uh, album and your first album as well, so how can they do that? Well, probably the best way right now, I know that somewhere it's, on, like Amazon I think has it, it should be anywhere, but some places a little bit because of COVID, it's just digital only. If you want the actual CD, you could go to our website, which is Schiffrell's WJ Ranch. If you just even Google WJ Ranch in Nebraska, I think you could pull that up. Um, otherwise, it's on Spotify and iTunes and all those great, wonderful music places. I think you search my name. I think you'd find something. All right. That's great. And of course, always the best place to get it is from your website. She might even she might even autograph it for you if you do it that uh, way. You know, that'd be great. Well, I just I do appreciate being able to share share my music. It's, it's just I appreciate this opportunity because it is it is fun to be able to to share what I love to do. Well, we are so glad, and and we need to have you back again. So, would you come back and join us again for another show? Oh, it would it would be my great pleasure. All right, we'd love to have you back. But uh, right now we're going to close out this segment of the show with a hymn. It's called The Sweet By and By. It is from the CD Waving of the Grass. And, Jan, you have been fantastic. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you guys so much. Blessings to you and, and hope to our trails cross very, very, very soon. I hope so. I hope so. This is The Sweet By and By. We'll be back in just a moment. In the sweet by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way. Show. 
Sweet by and by. Bobby, wasn't she fun to have on the show today? Oh, I've been looking forward to chatting with Jan. I really um, I enjoyed her first CD, and it we just never had a chance to get her on, and so it just made sense to, to take advantage of this opportunity with the release of Waving of the Grass. Well, it's a great CD, so we're going to encourage people to go to her website and be sure and pick up the CD and get her first one as well. And uh, a lot of fun having her on the show today. Next week on the Campfire Cafe is going to be a special show. There is a much-anticipated CD that will be premiering, and that's one that Mary Kay has done called Frontier. So that is all coming up next week on the cafe. And there will be some special announcements that we'll be making. So you want to be sure and tune in for that as well. So that's next Thursday Beginning at noon on the Campfire Cafe, we'll be premiering a fantastic CD. I've actually got to hear this, and uh, folks are going to love it. It's called Frontier. Mary Kay will be our special guest. Well, Bobby, we're going to kind of wrap things up, and uh, because we are changing the format next week a little bit, we've got our good friend, Mr. Jim McGarvey, with Randy Rasmussen, who's going to be joining us on Saddle Up America in just a few moments. But always good to have you with us, my friend. So we're looking forward to next week. Uh, Yes, yes. Have a great week, and we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Talk to you soon, my friend. Right now, we're going to take a listen. Bye-bye. We're going to be taking a listen to a song by Ryan Murphy, a good friend of ours, called Diego and the Broken Spur. And when we come back, it will be time for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. There's a legend they tell in the mountains called Sierra Madre Where vaqueros still drive hungry herds the valleys below Once they saw a wild mustang so beautiful down in a canyon So they looked to the leader among the brave Now Diego was tough, he was chiseled, leather, and handsome. And he rode like the wind and could break a horse on range. When he saw the wild mustang and spurred his horse down to the canyon, all the cowboys knew they'd seen Diego, a hero again. All the aging vaqueros in Mexico tell of a Mustang Who couldn't be broken by any man living on earth There's a trail of cowboys he beat buried deep in the desert And the tale of the one who left home 
No broken spurs Now the canyons are dangerous Even for well-seasoned cowboys And the Mustang knew all of the secrets Wild horses can know The vaqueros who followed him Couldn't have cornered the Mustang Without the wisdom and horsemanship of Diego With his lasso in hand and the Mustang backed into a corner Diego threw straight for the head and then pulled the rope tight But the Mustang was strong and Diego was torn from the saddle and dragged through the dust from the can And then out of sight All the aging vaqueros in Mexico Tell of a Mustang Who couldn't be broken By any man living on There's a trail of cowboys He beat buried deep in the desert and the tale of the one who left home with no broken spurs Through the rocks and the poisonous chola Diego was broken But he dug in his heels till his spur broke And he came to rest Then he jumped on the Mustang And held through the bucking and by Neither Mustang or man would give in this fight to the dead. The Vaquero searched canyon and mountain for Mustang and rider. All the footprints led deep in the desert and faded away. But they found that old spur and a few drops of blood in the canyon. Where the Mustang and Rider are out there, no one can say. All the aging vaqueros in Mexico tell of a Mustang. Who couldn't be broken by any man living on earth. There's a trail of cowboys to be buried deep in the desert. And the tale of the one who left on no broken spurs And the tale of the one who left only no broken Now for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. 
and our good friend, Mr. Jim McGarvey, who is the past national chairman of Backcountry Horsemen of America, is joining us, along with our good friend, Mr. Randy Rasmussen with BCHA. Hi, guys. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Good morning, Gary. Doing good. Good Doing good, Jim and Randy. We're going to have a fun time visiting with you guys today. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, Jim, why don't you introduce Mr. Rasmussen for folks that may not have known him before. Uh, Well, uh, to give a little background, um, you know, the the mission of the Backcountry Horsemen is to keep trails open for all. And I think the first thing that jumps into people's mind is, you know, shovels and chainsaws and, you know, physically keeping trails open for all, which is a lot of what we do, <laughs> thousands and thousands of hours. Um, but the other thing we have to do is uh, the government sometimes want to have our big problem to try to keep the trails open. Different rules, different laws, uh, different states have different things going on. And so it, it, um, a few decades ago, uh, we brought on um, uh, we the backcountry horsemen brought on rather um, a fellow named Dennis Daly, who was uh, with the, the U.S. Forest Service. Uh, Dennis, uh, such a great guy. Everybody knew him from um, from years back all over the country. Great guy, and he was a big supporter of the backcountry horsemen. And so he knew the ins and outs of the Forest Service, and you know how you have to deal with the with some of the government issues. And then um, brought Randy came on, and um, Randy has a, a different background, uh, just as great. But I have Randy talk about that in a minute. But it um, we have to to be able to fight the you know the the state and federal issues and sometimes uh, local issues. And it, you know it reminds me of um, the other was it last year? But uh, we had trouble uh, in two states. Uh, that are not west at all. One was in T- Saratoga, New York, uh, the National Saratoga Battlefield National Park. Uh, the National Park Service was thinking about closing off the horses there. So we had to go up there and kind of talk to everybody and say horses are part of the history here, you know. <laughs> and they were there at the battle. And uh, then in Florida had the same thing. They uh, The Flo- Florida has a kind of a Forest Service too, a little bit of a different name for the state, and they were talking about closing trails, and and so it, it's we have to be on top of it all the time, and and we need somebody like we, Randy, uh, to uh, who's a professional at this, to really lead the way and be on top of it, and someone we can turn to, all the all the members can turn to and say, look, Randy, we got a problem here and here and here, and and so um, it's really. Uh, Really, so it's so important. But Randy, can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, your background and that? You know, uh, I know it's kind of interesting. Before you got to the backcountry horseman. Well, sure, Jim, and and let me just underscore with a big exclamation mark the volunteer hours that backcountry horsemen and women do. Because last year alone, their contributions across our 32 states were 292 thousand hours of volunteer <laughs> labor wow so that's if you put the uh, equation and you put a, a dollar figure on that labor and all the animal days or stock days and trailer miles and all the stuff that our volunteers put together last year alone they contributed almost ten and a half million dollars of volunteer in-kind contributions to keep our trails open that's the scale 
of what we're talking about. Um, and, you know, that's been over $162 million of contributions since 1995. That's the magnitude. We are the largest national equestrian-type organization that gives back to public lands and keeps trails open for everybody. So, um, and Jim knows this. I just wanted to give the latest numbers from last year as an update. Um, and Jim's been our wonderful chairman and executive director in the recent past, and we love him. So a little less about me because, you know, my role is just to support the mission of Backcountry Horsemen. And, you know, it's all about maintaining the equine heritage, keeping access to our public lands, and building relationships and looking for those opportunities to even further create more trail opportunities and more ways to, to get people outdoors uh, on horseback and mules. So, but yeah, in a very short summary from my background, I've been in the nonprofit world uh, of, of recreation, trails, environmental advocacy since 1999 when I left the corporate world writing environmental impact statements and the like for the federal agencies, which just bored the heck out of me to do something <laughs> fun and really be, a, be an advocate. And yeah, I mean, so I have my foot firmly in that world understand that world of, of the, you know, the agencies speak and then environmental assessment and all that. And I use that to my advantage fully today um, to really position the backcountry horsemen strong, you know, in a strong way to respond and, and even shape a proposal and make it, you know, come out the way we would more prefer. So there's, there's lots there, but yeah, I've worked for a number of national uh, organizations but I really found a great home with backcountry horsemen just because the passion. I mean, you know, this is the only group that does that level of volunteerism and the passion of the group and preserving a Western heritage, et cetera. It's just what motivates me every day. So I'm taking that skill set that I've had and building on it now where we're really about partnerships. We work with, you know, not only the federal land management agencies, which are our number one partners, right? We can't do anything without their permission, without their acceptance. And we're in their good graces because of all those volunteer hours. But also the, you know, the partners, some of which you wouldn't think of, but, you know, the American Hiking Society. We even team on certain things with the International Mountain Bicycling Association, where we, you know, have agreement on issues about funding in Congress for trails, about ways to get people outdoors. There's you know, there's a bunch of alliances we have, and that's the fun, another fun aspect of my job is to, you know, make those bridges and work with those groups and come together so we can promote horseback use uh, in our backcountry and wilderness areas. Oh, that's great. So that's that's great. Round, round way of introduction. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Since, since you mentioned the American Hiking Society, I just got an email this morning from them and uh, noticed that the Senate had passed last week landmark legislation for the Great American Outdoors Act. How is that going to impact things on the trails? Oh, Gary, the, the perfect question. Thank you. This is one of the two topics I wanted to talk about today, this enormous <laughs> opportunity. So thank you for teeing that You're up, very Gary, welcome. Because You're very welcome. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I've got that alert, too. And I, you know, I used to work for American Hiking Society. In fact, one of their, the letters – well, I won't go there. But anyways, we team on a lot of stuff, and they, sometimes they use my material. So um, what's the important thing here is that Congress, for once in a, in a lifetime, you know, unless, uh, you know, you're, you're – well, in, in my lifetime, 50-plus years, yeah. 
this is a once-in-a-lifetime event where Congress is saying we finally recognize and have the support, bipartisan support, that our public lands have a serious maintenance backlog problem. You know, our national parks, yeah, we've seen it. You know, national park restrooms are closed. Roads are closed on our national forests because they can't maintain them. Trails on national forest lands and, and parks are closed because they, they've, you know, had landslides and they just don't have the money to fix it. This has come to a head where it's, you know, I think the statistic you saw from uh, American Hiking Society is a $22 billion maintenance <laughs> backlog on our public lands. And this is everything, National Wildlife Refuges, Bureau of Land Management Public Lands in the western U.S. So uh, the Senate just a couple of days ago passed by a vote of 75 to 23 Oh, wow. Move forward what's called the Great American Outdoors Act, and it is great. It would start putting, you know, each year $1.6 billion towards this maintenance backlog. Over five years, that's $6 billion, starting to really chip away in a big way. But importantly, it's going to be people to work. You know, yeah. if there's any time in our recent history where we need jobs and we need jobs outdoors and connect people and connect with nature, this is this is the economic stimulus that we could use, a big shot in the arm. And it's going to free up resources and personnel to work with us to get more trail work done on our national forests and national parks. So for so many reasons, the Great American Outdoors Act is the best legislation over 50 years that really gets people outdoors, fixes the problems we all know and see when we try to get out there and recreate on our trails. Uh, and really puts us in a great position for many years moving forward to talk about the economic benefits of trails, the health and mental well-being benefits of trails, and how our role as backcountry horsemen and women is critical to make sure people can enjoy the outdoors and and have those benefits. Um, Well, that, that was exciting news, so now it just has to go to the House and have them pass it. Uh, will that be difficult or will that be easier than the Senate was? Um, it's to be seen, Gary. So the House of Representatives has a similar companion bill, uh, you know, already introduced. And it's, by golly, it's got 100-plus co-sponsors. Uh, hundred and I'm reading right here, 147 co-sponsors out of 300 and forget the whole, whole number in the House, but, you know, a big chunk, and it's bipartisan uh, fairly well. To answer your question, I anticipate swift – well, I'd love to see swift passage of the the mirror image of the Senate bill because once they start adding amendments and someone says, you know, i got a problem about how this money's spent and I want more in my state, then they and start adding amendments. Then it's got to go amendments. back to the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Then it goes back to the Senate to reconcile, and there's all these things that can slow it down or stop it. So – uh, you know, and it, it's there are some members of Congress who have done this before, so we we probably can expect it. It's just a question of whether the committees and ultimately the floor vote can say, yeah, we get it. It's not perfect for you in your vision, but it's great for the country. So let's just do it and let's do it now. That's my hope. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, the Brandy, thing I'm that thinking, people uh, could, could you talk a minute about uh, the the, uh, the trails bill? Some of the points of that one that, that did get passed um, back when I was chairman, and the the great thing about that is that D.C. is well one of my favorite cities, and, and it's so fun to go there. But it's more fun when you get to talk to congressmen and feel important and senators and <laughs> get appointments with them. But could you uh, 
And that got through there. Could you give a little background to that one? Because we've had a lot of we got a lot of folks together from all the different organizations to make this work. Can you give me a little background on that one that passed? Well, it's a great case study, too, and I'll just add to that, Jim. Washington, D.C. is part of my job on occasion, but the best thing about it is I get to go home when I'm done. Yeah, you know, yeah. Back to, back yeah. to the rural Amen. life and stuff. But... Real world right, yes. <laughs> um, but, no, we did an amazing thing several years ago, and, and with Jim McGarvey at the helm, where we partnered with a few groups. Another, again, the, the Wilderness Society. We don't do everything with them or see eye to eye and everything. But they said, we want to get people in wilderness and people enjoying wilderness. How can we work together to get something that gets Congress's attention that you know gives a jolt to the agencies, in this case, the Forest Service, to say, get out there and fix your trails and invite people in? So we spent a five-year campaign to pass a bill, what was ultimately called the National Forest System Trails Stewardship Act. That's a mouthful, and there's no good acronym that, that, that fits that. But it's, we call it the Trails Bill because it's been the only Trails Bill for 40-odd years that really try to remove barriers for use of volunteers to main trails on our national forests. Sounds pretty simple, right? You know, right. What would, stop, right. what would be stopping people from wanting to give, you know, $10 million of volunteer labor every year, you know, uh, but there's amazing red tape barriers that are out there. Yeah. Uh, we try to chip away and, and did successfully some of them. But during that process, not only did we get a number of allies within Congress, but other allies like the American Hiking Society, like the International Mountain Bicycling Association, you know, and, and any group that uses trails, the American Motorcyclist Association. Because this is about public access to our public lands, and, you know, we want everyone to get out there. So we had coalitions with over 150 organizations, you know, everything from the National Association of Counties and the Western Governors Association to Chamber of Commerce and, and other things, just to say trails are important. And that has set the stage for many things we're doing today based on that success and the allies that we pulled together and the, the you know, hitting the right beat in Congress to say, hey, yeah, trails are important. You know, we've been overlooking them for too long. We've got to do something to get people outdoors and, sure, find ways to get volunteers to do what they do. Uh, without many barriers, you know, or problems, concerns about liability or other types of things that just get in the way of getting the trail maintenance done. So we've still continued to reap the, you know, the benefits of that success from that bill that passed Congress in 2016 at the end of the year, uh, and we're still seeing benefits today. And what really is important to our listeners out there, because this is Saddle Up America, but the thing that's important about all of this that we're talking about is that it's going to make more trails available to you to get out and enjoy riding your horses or your mules on. And so that's that's the importance of all these things that we're talking about this morning. And um, that's what it's about, getting those trails open back up, keeping them open, keeping them clear. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I want to uh, take a we oh, want to take ahead, a quick yeah. break. We're just going to take a real quick break. I've got a great song by Mr. Dave Stamey we want to play. And then oh, yeah. uh, let's come back and talk some more about some of the important issues that we're facing and the things that are happening that are on the good side and maybe some challenges as well. We'll be right back on Saddle Up America in just a moment. In the 
sundown puts the sky ablaze Horses turning round Fire in their eyes And the night winds come and carry them away In a fitful sleep he sees The horses run Along the breaks that climb above the river A gray mist is rising And he sees it come He cries out But it swallows them complete Where have all his horses gone? Wild as the coat of sky Vanish like starlight in the dawn Where have all Deserts cross yellow rocks, he drives them toward the trap in the canyon with shale and shore scarred their hearts in his mind. Mr. Dave Stamey with the song Where Have All the Horses Gone? And we're back on Saddle Up America today with our very special guests, Mr. Jim McGarvey and Randy Rasmussen. And Jim, you had a question that you were going to bring up just a minute ago. Um, I, I should have asked it. But I did want to uh, bring up one, one thing that uh, how we got uh, – started here in Georgia with the Backcountry Horsemen. It was in 2006, and the Forest Service 
um, put in a new rule. They were trying to put a new rule that you couldn't go 15 inches off of the trail with a horse. Oh, wow. Yeah, really. <laughs> so uh, uh, I had a, um, uh, you know, we, we got the group together. We uh, And I hadn't heard of the backcountry horsemen. And, but a, a couple of, uh, a married couple, you know, uh, they would go to Wyoming in the summer. They belonged to the Wyoming backcountry horsemen. And so she said, well, I know this group. And so I called out there and got advice uh, from, um, uh, well, I talked to, probably was Dennis, on, on what to do next and, you know, how to do this. So that got us that got us moving with uh, starting a chapter here, then another chapter and another chapter, and then, um, you know, then Florida and now we're a lot different in Tennessee now in different places. So, uh, but it was just wanted to, it usually will start with somebody's got a problem, you know, and we need help. And uh, right. so, um, it, and it's, um, yeah, it, it worked. It worked out great, and I had, um, um, well, the rest is history. But anyway, we we got it we got it done. Yes. All right. Well, we were we were talking about we've talked about some good things that are on the horizon right now with these different bills that have been passed, and the Senate having passed the bill that they did this past week. Uh, Randy, anything else that's on the horizon that we need to be looking at? Maybe some some more positive things that are being worked on or maybe some challenges that we need to talk about. Well, we did mention that big positive thing with the great American outdoors act. So let me counter that with the current threat du jour, if you will, that we're spending a lot of time batting, you know, combating and trying to find the right place for what are called electric bicycles. Yeah. And, is that okay? So let's let's go down that path real quickly. Um, but before we even do that, let me define what I'm talking about: electric bicycle, because they sound pretty safe and benign. And you know, I'm not talking about the kind that you know someone's uncle might has. It's a little motor that you know sits on the. It kind of helps with the assist. I'm talking right. about the kind of machines that the major manufacturers are making today that are literally the closest thing to a motorcycle I have seen, but with pedals on it. Um, these are these are trail machines, and they are electric motorized bicycles that can power and amplify a rider's input by over four hundred percent. Wow! So they are capable of giving people, you know, superhuman strength. And there are videos on YouTube where you can see electric bike versus Olympic athlete, and guess who wins out? Oftentimes, it's that electric bike. Wow. Um, so they are built for speed and thrill seekers. I'm not worried about the elderly couple who wants to tootle around the carriage trails. You know, I'm worried about the folks being marketed for these new electric, this new generation of electric bikes, and the technology gets better every day. And speeds wow. continue to top out, you know, 30 miles an hour is easy, you know. Some of these things that look the same can go 40, 50 miles an hour, and that clearly is going to represent a safety issue on our single-track backcountry trails. And they're quiet. You can't hear them, right? For the most part, most of these electric bikes are really quiet. You're not going to hear them coming. 
Um, and, you know, the, we got to start by saying there is a place on public lands for electric bicycles. We want people to be outdoors. We want people, even returning veterans, you know, from Iraq and Afghanistan who have issues that an electric bicycle could open up new doors for them to explore trails. Wonderful. Let's do that. But let's continue to say those are motorized uses. They should be on motorized roads and trails and not on the non-motorized hiking and equestrian trails. Uh, yeah. And that's that's where we're having the rub with the federal agencies. So I could go into detail, but if you guys seen an electric bike on the on the trail, because it's hard to tell them from a normal bicycle. Really? Uh, no, I've not seen one. I've, I've seen pictures of them, but. Hmm. Yeah. No, we go don't ahead, need one of those know, things going about, by our horses on 30 or 40 or 50 miles an hour either. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well. So our federal land management agencies, uh, two things. There's a positive thing that I'll mention real quickly, and then it's something we got to really watch for. But the positive thing is the U.S. Forest Service continues to consider electric motorized bicycles as a motorized trail use, rightfully so. That's what their policies say. Mm-hmm. Well, one national forest in California, the Tahoe National Forest, think of oh. Lake Tahoe, Donner Pass, and all these wonderful, beautiful high Sierra landscapes. Uh, the forest supervisor last summer, just with a wave of the pen, said, I'm going to, you know, create or change the designation of 130 miles of non-motorized trails and allow them to be used by these electric bike machines. Uh, oh, wow. Didn't even, talk, didn't even talk to the backcountry horsemen that work with that forest. And these are some of the trails they maintain, you know. Um, yeah. And so by one stroke of the pen, just violated, you know, several laws and policy the agency has. And so we try, we try to push back and say, look, this is not even legal. You know, it, it upsets us. And, you know, we want you to reverse that decision and go through the public process. Like, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll let the chips fall where they will, you know, where they may if you mm-hmm. do the right process. But they refused. <laughs> so we teamed together with, again, the Wilderness Society. Uh, and Backcountry Horsemen of California and the local mother load unit of Backcountry Horsemen of California and some other local groups. And after sending a very legal letter threatening litigation, which we rarely ever do, against our favorite partner, the Forest Service, we were forced <laughs> to file litigation uh, wow. last October. And amazingly, the good news is we've already settled the lawsuit in less than six months, and the Forest oh, Service basically admitted – they admitted guilt, folded up their tent, and said, okay, we're going to you know, reverse that decision and tell people they can't use these trails for electric mountain bikes oh. uh, you know, and, until such time as we go through a formal process and designate it with public input. Well, that's great. That's really so, great because Tahoe is such a famous name in, in forest. Yes, great. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh. So, you know, we – and the beauty is our partners said, you're the most affected user. This this." Litigation reads the Backcountry Horsemen of America et al. versus the U.S. Forest Service. <laughs> we are now we're going to now use that like a oh, I want to say I, well, I wanted to say Billy Club, but like a nice co- crop to gently prod crop. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a forest supervisors who might stray from the trail a bit to say, no, look at this settlement. We went through this hassle, and you guys said, you know, you got us. You know, we got to go back to square one and. You know, and reset oh. the clock on this, and that's all we saw. Because again, mountain bikes, ha- or I'm sorry, electric motorized bikes have a place 
But the question is, where is that place? You just can't say, oh, it's on the trails that all the horsemen and hikers like. That's not mm-hmm. going to work. So we're going to fight again and again for that right to keep our trails safe and sane. Oh, great. Well, it's it's uh, it's just another reason that you have to be alert as to what's going on and changes that may be proposed. And and uh, and again, you know, sometimes you just have to stand up and fight those things, even though it could be against a partner that you've got. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. So anything else out there that that's going on that we need to know about? Well, let's just say too, even though you know we did have to fight a partner. We had a lot of insiders from the Forest Service cheering us on at the same time. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That was was a good thing. (laughs) The other piece there is that the Department of Interior, and so this is the National Park Service, the Bureau of Land Management, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, they've got off the deep end on this electric bike issue, and I'm concerned about that. And so are all of our partners, those folks that I've mentioned and plenty of others that they've just changed their policies and and put a proposal out and got public comment on to declassify an electric bicycle as, you know, having a, you know, being a motorized use on trails. So we've gone, run the gamut of public comments and, you know, lawyering up, if you will, with our partners and others, if we have to, again, that's the last thing we want to do is litigate stuff. We want to get out there and maintain trails by golly. Right. All those all those agencies are trying to change based on a, a secretarial order from the, the Secretary of Interior, which is just bananas, if you ask me. Basically, <laughs> again, saying a motorized electric bicycle isn't a motorized trail use. And it's like, no, it, it really is. And you can't just say it and all of a sudden, you know, it happens that way. Mm-hmm. So the electric bicycle manufacturers and lobbyists got in with that and, you know, forced to – change in policies that could forever change our trail experience and the safety of equestrians and riders on trails if if they're successful. So we're reluctantly going to have to duke this one out too, um, you know, and see where that goes. So, you know, the jury's not in on that one yet. Obviously, uh, they have yet to issue final rules, but we can expect they'll do that in short order, even though, like the U.S. the National Park Service, they got over – 16, 17,000 public comments, you know, they're probably going to issue something in a couple months without reading most of that and just say, oh, looks good. We're just going to go ahead and institute the policy. That's my fear. (laughs) And that's been Uh, the the method of operation as of recent. So we've got to brace for that one. mm -mm. (laughs) Well, let's tell people why folks need to get involved with Backcountry Horsemen of America. Randy, Jim's a good ahead. one to start, start that, and I can add to it. <laughs> well, the, uh, I think that, yeah, you're keeping the, the public lands open, the trails open for, for, for all. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it changes part of the government system. And, and like, if they do change a rule or, or a management style, it's hard to unwind that. And so with folks like Backcountry Horsemen and Randy especially and, and um, the Wilderness Society, of course, and some of those uh, American Hiking Associations, they um, they all work together. So it's it's uh, if you value the public lands and the way they are, and don't want them to completely go to a metropolis, uh, um, join or donate or whatever to one of these organizations. Well, in this case, it's 
bcha.org. Am I right? bcha.org? Yes. yes. Yeah. So you can get involved, and not only can you help with situations like the one we're talking about, but you can also get involved in just getting out and doing your part to help keep the trails open yourself that you yes. enjoy riding on, and don't ride on somebody else's coattail. So uh, people are out there opening, tra- keeping trails open so you can do your part too as well. And uh, if you can't do that, then provide some support so those things can happen also. So anyway, this has been, this has been a good conversation, guys. Yeah, thank you. Indeed. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we should encourage people to contact their congressman and support that bill that's uh, passed by the Senate. You know, do your part there as well. So. And that is and that, the Great American Outdoors Act, yes. The Great American Outdoors Act. So I think it's awesome if uh, we finally are getting some things done by both the House and the Senate to accomplish some good instead yes. of fussing about things all the time. So <laughs> anyway, well, this has been a fun show. Guys, I appreciate you being with us. And uh, always, always informative to have you with us, Randy. Thank you for the opportunity, Gary. I really appreciate it. Well, you are very, very welcome. And uh, Backcountry Horseman of America will be back with us again in August uh, yes. coming up. Yeah. Yes. So this year this year's going by pretty quick, Jim. That happens. The older you get, the quicker it goes, I hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We can attest to that, can't we? Yes, we can. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks, guys. And right now we're going to listen to a song by Doug Fix called Being a Cowboy. We'll be back in just a moment.
right is the cowboy way It's more about what you do and less about what you say And how you sleep at the end of the day Now that's being a cowboy friend, Mr. Doug Figs, being a cowboy. Well, this has been a fun show today, so it, we certainly enjoyed having Jan Schiffel with us on the Campfire Cafe, and uh, and always great to talk with Jim McGarvey and Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America, and we remind you again, get involved, help do your part to keep the trails open for more trail riders and enjoy your horses or your mules, whatever it is, and uh, help to keep the trails opened and cleared and do your part and also help with uh, these issues that arise just like the ones that we talked about today. I want to remind you that the Equestrian Legacy Radio's Rendezvous 2020 is taking place in uh, Winchester, Tennessee in October and the dates for that are October the 29th through the 31st. It's going to be three days of trail riding, great concerts, Great documentaries by the Eccles Film Festival, and uh, we're actually going to have a Mustang and Burrow auction on the final Saturday. But that's all coming up this October, October 29th and 31st. You can find out more information about Rendezvous 2020 by visiting our website at equestrianlegacy.net. And then we're already looking into 2021, and in 2021, We'll have two rendezvous, one back here in the east and one back in the west. So next year, we're going to be going back to the Circle E Guest Ranch in June. And then looks like we're going to be going to Bryce Canyon in Utah in October of 2021. So you can visit our website and keep up to date with information on that as it's made available to you as well. Next week, we're going to do a two-hour special. We're going to be featuring music from Mary Kay's much-anticipated album, Frontier. So we'll be talking with her about the album, and we'll be sharing some of her great music from that. And we'll have a couple of special announcements that you'll want to be tuned in for as well. So I want to thank you again for listening today to the Campfire Cafe and Saddle Up America. We're going to remind you that uh, our new show, The Living Room Sessions, airs on Saturday beginning at noon. And this week, our special guest is the one and only Miss Belinda Gale. So you want to be sure to tune in for that on Saturday. Right now, we're going to close out the show today with a great song from our friend Mr. Mike Blakely. It's one called The Brock Man. Thanks again for listening. Question Legacy Radio. One, two, three, four. 
can't betray himself or the horses that he rides. He goes to bed each night knowing that he tried. He had that filly rode until she pawed the bridle off. He still goes to town to show everything that he ain't lost. The bronc man saddles up and says, cock your hammer, son. Throws a leg over leather that he's still paying on. Well, the only way to hurt him is to let him fall in love. The last one was a rough one, but he ain't had enough. Yeah, the last one was a rough one, but he's still hanging tough. He's firm in what he's doing, but he's gentle in how it's done. He ain't scared to let her have her head and let her run. He knows horses can't be liars, but he's found some people are. The one that hurt him most never even left a scar. The broad man saddles up and says, cock your hammer, son. Throws a leg over leather that he's still paying on. Well, the only way to hurt him is to let him fall in love. The last one was a rough one, but he ain't had enough. Last one was a rough one, but he's still hanging tough. Well, it don't hurt if you don't show. It's a long way from his heart. Learning things the hard way has become the easy part. She was all he ever wanted, but she found an open gate. Now the dust is all but settled, and it's all come down to fate. Well, the bronc man settles up and says, cock your hammer, son. Throws a leg over leather that he's still paying on. Well, the only way to hurt him is to let him fall in love. The last one was a rough one, but he ain't had enough. Yeah, the last one was a rough one, boys, but he ain't had enough. Yeah, the last one was a rough one, but he's still hanging tough.